Welcome to the East Memorial Student Podcast, your source for the biblical teaching of East Memorial Student Ministries. I'm your host, Matthew Ronsky, pastor of Students and Discipleship at East Memorial Baptist Church in Prattville, Alabama. Amen. Thank you guys so much. Also, um, it was brought to my attention that I forgot to announce that regarding VBS, anybody here that is going into 7th or 8th grade, you are invited to, to the VBS. So maybe you're already planning on coming, but if you didn't know that, uh, we encourage you to come to VBS. We want you to come to VBS. And if you have any friends who are not doing anything, then we would encourage you to invite them as well. So just keep that in mind regarding VBS next week. But to get into our message tonight, as many of you know, over the past several weeks, we've been studying the topic of worship in this small mini-series that we're doing before camp. And in the first week, we covered a general theology of worship and all of the activities that are associated with worship in Scripture. And last week, we covered a theology of music, a central activity, a main activity that is often associated with worship. And we looked at the several purposes that music serves, especially within the church. Well, this week, we or tonight, we are going to apply some of the principles that we learned last week and actually evaluate a few songs from a biblical and theological perspective. And that's actually going to involve, we're going to listen to some songs as well. And then the final one, I'll probably just read through the lyrics for the sake of time. But we are going to try this exercise. And the goal of this exercise is to help us be able to discern between good and bad songs in terms of their uh, content and what they teach. And as you remember, last week we talked about that a huge purpose of music is to, in fact, teach specifically to help us remember truth and to help that truth implant within our hearts. In fact, let's look at the, the, one of the main passages we covered last night, Colossians 3.16, and we'll see this for the sake of review, and this will kind of set up the rest of our, our message tonight as well. So Colossians 3.16, the command is to let the word of Christ dwell, uh, let the word of Christ richly, richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And as we covered last week, we see in this passage that music is an instrument that is used to teach and admonish, or another way to, to think of admonish is to correct it is an instrument used to teach and correct God's people. And when it's used with wisdom, it accomplishes in planting the truth of Scripture within you. It's a big, maybe, way we could summarize that passage. And what we also see in this passage, this verse, is there are three categories of music that are listed here. So the first is psalms, and that, of course, would include the psalms within the book of Psalms. And we're going we're gonna to look at an example of, song, of, of a psalm being put to song, to music, the next two categories are hymns and spiritual songs. And when you try to, well, I, I tried to look at the original Greek of these two words and tried to, you know, find out what the distinction was between the two. And, and to be honest, it is pretty, it's a little bit difficult to make a distinction between the hymns and the spiritual songs. They, they generally carry the, the same 
the same meaning, but it is safe to say that hymns and spiritual songs together would cover the broad range of different styles and, and types of music that the church may, may use or employ. Um, for example, you know, when we think of hymns, we often think of uh, more simple line poetic hymns that are, that are put to a relatively, not simple melody or tune, but a melody that is easy for the congregation to sing and to participate in. And so when we think of hymns, we often think of a song that the entire congregation is participating in and singing together. And so that's one type of song that would certainly fit within the category hymns. Thinking of spiritual songs, that would also include songs that are written to be performed by more skilled or advanced musicians and singers. You know, songs like we will hear when we're doing the offering on Sunday mornings where you have a soloist or, or a special piece that's being performed that is not so easy for the rest of the congregation to sing along with. It may even be designed for the congregation to just listen to and to meditate upon as they're sitting in their chair or as they're you know, participating in, in the service. So all of these categories of music, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, are included in this instrument to teach God's word, to admonish through God's word, and to enable ultimately God's word to dwell within our hearts like we talked about last week. So for the rest of tonight, we are going to evaluate some songs that fit into these categories. And where we're going to start is where the verse starts, and that is with the Psalms. The Psalms. Now, as many of you know, there are many modern musicians and bands who do write music for the Psalms. They'll take a, a particular Psalm, like Psalm 90 or Psalm 23 or any of the Psalms, and they will take the, the lyrics and the content of those Psalms and put them to a modern style of music or, or something like that. And one of my favorite bands that does this, I'll just give some uh, credit to them. It's a band called Sons of Korah, which uh, it's, it's named off of a group that's referenced frequently in the Psalms. And they almost exclusively write music to the Psalms. And among many of the bands out there, they're pretty strict in terms of following the Psalms verse by verse in their songs. They're, they're one of my favorite when I'm, when I'm looking to worship through music. Um, I, I was actually planning on playing one of their songs for you, but then I was thinking about copyright and it's not easy. Long, you know, it, long story short, I'm picking this. We're going to do a song that's easier for copyright purposes. But I do recommend that if you have the chance to look up Sons of Korah and listen to some of their music. I was going to play Psalm 34 that they do, Taste and See, really good one. Um, so highly, highly encourage you to check them out and recommend them. But there are many other artists that do the same thing where they take psalms and put it to music. Now, when it comes to evaluating these songs, the evaluation is a little simpler and easier in the sense that what you really just need to figure out is does this song stay true to the words of the psalm? And if they stay true to the words of the psalm, then they're singing scripture. You don't need to evaluate scripture on whether or not it's communicating biblical truth, right? So this category is a little bit easier to evaluate in that sense. And so 
we're not going to spend a lot of time practicing evaluating songs that are based upon the Psalms. But we are going to do an exercise that I hope will show us the power of putting Psalms to music. And so the Psalm that we're going to use for this exercise is Psalm 46. So if you're in your Bibles, uh, turn there to Psalm 46, and we're going to read through. So the, the way we're going to do this exercise is we're going to read through the Psalm and just read through it, and then we're going to play a song that is based upon this Psalm. And so in Psalm 46, let me just start with the, what's called the superscription of the Psalm. And it says, For the choir director, a Psalm of the sons of Korah, set to Alamoth a song. So stopping right here for a moment, introductions like these are very common in the book of Psalms. And what they show is that most Psalms were written and meant to be put to music. And there were instructions given to the choir director. There, evidently, there's a tune that's named here, set to, to Alamoth, you know, a song. And we don't know what that sounded like. We don't know what the music of that time specifically the, the, the references in the book of Psalms, we don't know what they sounded like, but we do know that introductions like this tell us that the psalm was meant to be sung and read to music. And what maybe we could say as, a, as an implication of this is we could maybe even be so bold to say that the mere reading of the psalm without music could possibly diminish the intended emotional power of the psalm. And you might remember last week we talked about how music was designed to influence the emotions at a very deep level. And that's how King David and others in Scripture utilized music. So we could say that relatively confidently, but I do want to qualify and say that it's not that you, you can only benefit from the psalms if it's to music, right? If we were to do a deep study of the Psalms and go verse by verse and study it slowly and methodically, it would certainly be devotional. It would certainly be spiritually beneficial to us. There's no doubt about that. But as I hope we will see, that when a Psalm is adapted to music, and if that style of music, you know, what, what I could say is impacts us emotionally, then the truth in that psalm can be magnified even greater. And that's what I hope that we'll see. So let's read through the psalm, and then we'll play, we'll play uh, one that is a, a song that is based on it. So starting in verse 1, it reads, God is our refuge, refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth should change and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam, Though the mountains quake at its swelling pride, Salah. There is a river whose, whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations made an uproar. The kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold, Salah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has wrought desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. 
Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Salah. Now, what's the message of this psalm? We're just to summarize all these verses. It's that God is the source of protection for his people. And as God has the ability, and, and also God as God has the ability to protect his people no matter what his people may face, no matter the troubles that may surround them. Okay, this is the message. And maybe you understand that and you, you mentally comprehend that message both by reading the psalm and my summary of it. But here's the question, do you feel it? By just reading it, do you feel it? Or, and what we'll do, think of the words you just read, but now focus in and meditate upon this song. And we're going to listen to Psalm 46, Lord of Hosts by Shane and Shane. In terms of the order, they take a little bit of liberty, but the message is the same and, uh, and we'll see that. So let's, let's play the song. All right. So sorry for the technical difficulties there. That might have killed the mood, at least initially. But hopefully you're able to get back into it. What do you mean? What did you guys think, right? Anybody not heard that song before? Okay, so just a few. So most have, okay? And uh, even despite the technical difficulties, and, and maybe that style of music is not you know, your jam, so to speak, and maybe you don't like it, and so that, that emotional effect may not be there. And that's, that's okay. My encouragement would then to be to find a band or a style that does put the Psalms to music that will resonate with you and to meditate upon that and to let that be a way that you supplement your study of the Psalms and Scripture in general. So there's our example of the Psalms. Now let's move to the category of spiritual songs and hymns. And we're going to look at two examples. We're going to look at a good example, and then we're going to look at what I would think is a bad example. Now I do want to say songs are not, you can't just simply say there's good songs and there's bad songs. You got to think more of it like there's a grading system, A through F. There's going to be some A songs that are Phenomenal. There's going to be some B songs, which are pretty good, but not as good as the A songs. There's going to be some C songs that are really neither really that great or harmful. There's kind of right there in the middle. And then there's going to be your D and F songs that start going into a realm of spiritually harmful and, and not beneficial if we're thinking of the content and the teaching and the theology of those songs. So we're going to look at a good example. And this example is uh, titled, Is He Worthy? And this version, this is originally written by Andrew Peterson, but we're going to be listening to the version done by uh, Chris Tomlin. And before you press play, we do have a lyric video for that. So you'll just want to clear the media and then, and then press play. So why do I view that song as an A song? And again, maybe the style is not your jam, but... We're focusing on the content and the teaching of the song. And let me just break it down. I'm just going to go through the song. And I'm just going to point out the biblical references that the song makes. So don't, you're not going to turn there. Don't worry about writing them in your notes. Just listen to the biblical references and, and the point will be, will be clear, right? Okay, so here we go. First part, 
do you feel the world is broken? Do you feel the shadows deepen? All right? So this, is, of course, is speaking to the truth of the fallen world that we live in, allusion to Genesis 3, Romans 8, 20 through 21. Next, but do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do. So light breaking through darkness, this is a direct allusion to Isaiah 9, 2, also John 1, 5 through 9, about the light being Jesus breaking through the darkness of the world and of, of the of the situation he was coming into do you wish that you could see it all made new we do is all creation groaning it is is a new creation coming so creation groaning groaning this is a direct allusion to romans 8 22 the new creation coming is an allusion to ezekiel 36 romans 8 21 revelation 21 verse 1 about the new creation coming next is the glory of the lord to be the light within our midst. So right here, God is a light in the midst of his people. Isaiah 4, verses 5 to 6. Revelation 21, verses 23 to 24. Direct allusions to those scripture passages. Is it good that we remind ourselves of this? It is. This speaks even to 2 Peter 1, verse 8, where Peter, speaking of the eternal promises that await us, says, it is good for me to remind you of these things. So that's even allusion to 2 Peter 1.8 there. Getting into the chorus, is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah who conquered the grave, he is David's root and the Lamb who died to ransom the slave. Is he worthy? Is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory? Is he worthy of this? He is. Direct allusion to Revelation 5. And it's almost paraphrasing word for word what is being recorded in Revelation 5. So moving to the verse after that, does the Father truly love us? He does. Does the Spirit move among us? He does. And does Jesus, our Messiah, hold forever those he loves? He does. So right here, Trinity. Trinity is right on the screen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all equally God. Um, this is being expressed in this song. Also, does Jesus, our Messiah, hold forever those who he loves? This speaks to the preser preservation of the saints, or what's also called the perseverance of the saints. In fact, I will read you this, this passage to even show you the nuance in this song. He says, hold forever those he loves. Well, in John 10, verses 27 to 28, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give eternal life to them and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. So here referencing, does Jesus hold them? Direct allusion to this passage in John 10. Moving on, does God intend to dwell again with us? He does, Zechariah 2.10, Revelation 21.3, direct allusions to those passages and then it goes back to the chorus, and then it adds at the end of the, of the next chorus, from, from every people and tribe, every nation and tongue, he has made us a kingdom and priest to God to reign with the Son. This completes the allusion to Revelation 5. And if, you were to, if we were to read Revelation 5, you would see how this is an exact paraphrase. 
So as you see, I just threw out all of these biblical references and passages. And really, this song is a great song that captures what, here's a fancy term, the eschatological hope of the believer. Eschatological meaning the times of the end or the, the, the study of the times of the end. This is the eternal hope that we await for, a renewal of the earth, God returning to dwell among us like he did in the garden with Adam and Eve. This is our hope. And this song references all of this biblical truth and communicates this truth to us. And as we meditate upon songs like this, all of those biblical references, all those biblical truths are being implanted within our hearts and within our minds. And there are many other songs that have this A rating where it's just biblical reference after biblical reference while still maintaining great poetry, you know, great um, musical composition and, and everything. So that's one example. But now let's turn to a bad example. And I hope I don't ruffle too many feathers. I'm assuming I may because according to one article I read, this song has become one of the biggest Christian songs of all time. It has even surpassed Oceans by Hillsong, which many of you may know that song was huge in the 2000s and, and so forth. And this song supposedly has even surpassed that song as one of the biggest Christian songs of all time. And I'm talking about You Say by Lauren Daigle. So you say, all right? And what we're going to do, we're not going to listen to it for the sake of time, but I'm going to go through the content of the song. I'm going to go through the verses, and I'm going to critique it. Not because I want to be mean to Lauren Daigle, but because I care about you all spiritually, and I want you to be able to discern songs like this and to see where error and falsehood can creep in. All right, so let's look. So here's the opening of the song. It says, I keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. All right, so my question is, whose voices? Is it her own? Is it a demon? I mean, when you hear terms like the voices in my head, that's usually what schizophrenic people say or demon-possessed people would say. Now, I don't assume that she's talking about demonic voices that are in her head, but she doesn't clarify it. She doesn't clarify it. She just says, I keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. Okay, well, we don't know what she means, so let's move on. Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up. So here's another question. Measure up to who or what? What's the reference? What is she what is she saying that she doesn't measure up to and what is she saying is a lie regarding that? Is it not measuring up to the standard of a boyfriend? Is it not measuring up to the standard of God? Well, let's assume, because this is a Christian song, or at least promoted as a Christian song, let's assume that God is the standard in mind. That when she is saying that every single lie that tells me I will ne never measure up, let's assume that she's speaking of God and his standard. Well, one, we could ask, well, what scripture does this line of this verse relate to? Does it relate to a scripture? 
And is it true? And, and when I was looking at this, there's one scripture that came to my mind that does relate to this line, but it completely contradicts this line. For example, this is in Romans 3, 23. And it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So there is a sense when we're comparing ourselves to the glory of God, we do not measure up. We do fall short. And if that's what she's referencing, then she's identifying the biblical truth in Romans 3.23 as a lie. We think about that. But let's move on. It continues, am I more than just a, or I, am I more than just the sum of every high and every low? Remind me once again just who I am because I need to know. Okay, so thinking of that first part, am I more than just the sum of every high and every low? I'm not entirely sure what she means by this, but I guess in general, I would say I'd be in agreement that we as humans are more than the highs and lows of our life, if that's what, if that's what she means. Certainly our worth is more than that. Um, however, I don't see any clear biblical connection or reference, um, so I'm not really quite sure, but Let's continue. Remind me once again just who I am because I need to know. Okay, I would agree with this. I would agree with this part that we sometimes do need to be reminded of who we are as human beings and in relation to God. We even talked about that in the Is He Worthy song, that it is good to be reminded of truth. So I agree with that, but then let's think, okay, well then what is the truth that Lauren Daigle is going to try to teach us? What what does she say, you could say, what, what, who does she think she is and what does she think she knows about who she is, right? So let's continue into the, the rest of the song. And here's the first thing. It says, you say I am loved when I can't feel a thing. All right, so a question we could ask of this, is it true that a Christian can be loved and not feel a thing because she's implying that she doesn't feel a thing or at times doesn't feel a thing, but then she's still loved. So is it true that a Christian can be loved and not feel a thing? Well, let me point you to Romans 8, verses 15 to 16. And here, God speaking through Paul says, "'For you have not received of spirit of slavery,' leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. So there's an internal testimony from the Holy Spirit that a true Christian, a spirit-filled Christian, which is the only Christian, cries out in their soul, Abba, Father, and that, that Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit testifies with us that we are children of God. Another verse, 1 John 4.16. 1 John 4.16, it says, We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So here he's saying for the true believer we have come to know God's love. We have come to know and believe 
in the love that God has for, for us. In fact, I would even say this. So when we look at these verses, these verses seem to imply that for the true believer, it's false that you will not feel a thing if you are truly loved by God. That within you, within your spirit, the spirit of God will testify with your spirit that you are a son or daughter of God. And in fact, this is what I would say, that if you don't feel anything in your relationship with God, there could be two explanations. One, maybe possibly you don't understand what God's love looks like in your life. And that's a possibility. Some people don't understand, for example, that discipline is a sign of God's love in our life. And so when difficult things happen to them, they may incorrectly perceive that as being a sign that God doesn't love them. Okay, so that, that's a situation of what we could say, and I say this politely, but, but just ignorance of, of what God's word says about God's love. So that's one potential explanation. A second one is if you feel nothing, it may be a sign that you actually do not have God's love. And that may be because you are, well, ultimately, if that's the case, it's because you have not fully repented of your selfish sins and desires and have not fully submitted your life to Christ. And that would be the ultimate reason why you would not have God's love abiding upon you. And if you don't feel that love, there's a possibility that, that you may be in that position. And in that case, Scripture, like in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, you don't have to turn there, but Paul says, test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you fail the test? So if you don't feel anything like this song communicates, you don't want to just tell yourself, well, even though I feel nothing, God still loves me. No, maybe it's a time that, to examine yourself and to see, are you in the faith? So moving on, you say that I am strong when I think I am weak. You say that I'm strong when I think I'm weak. Okay, does God say we are strong? Well, let me read you a few verses to this. Psalm 103, 14. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. So that's not... That's not speaking of strength. 1 Corinthians 1, verses 26 to 27, For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says this, And he has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, and this is Paul now speaking, I, wrote, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. And what we see in this is that Scripture is clear that we as humans are weak. We are weak apart from God, but through that weakness, God's power is magnified and glorified. Now, we're running short in time, and I could, we could go further into this, but at this point, we really don't need to. What I hope I've demonstrated is that when we do apply the test of Scripture to even the most popular of songs, we may find that it doesn't 
measure up and may in fact be, be harmful to us. And, and what do I mean by that? Well, think of it this way. If somebody genuinely feels unloved by God or like they don't belong, and that's another part of the song, like I've already mentioned, those feelings may be a sign that something is not right with them spiritually and that they need to seek after God. And if they listen to a song like this and meditate to, to a song like this, they may be encouraged to think that everything is fine and that God really does love them despite those feelings. And maybe they're now going to miss out on an opportunity to seek after God while the day of salvation is still here. So that's one thing. Also, if somebody feels like they are weak or falling short of God's standards, we could say that's how they should think. That's how they should think. And having a broken and contrite spirit like this, like Scripture mentions, this is what leads to living a spiritually powerful life. This is a good thing if you feel weak or you feel like you don't measure up to God's standard. That's a good feeling. That means that you're on the right path. And the danger is a song like this could encourage people to reject this mindset and to embrace a false sense of strength and accomplishment that can lead to spiritual destruction or failure. So those are just some examples. Now, I do want to qualify as we close here. I'm not saying that Lauren Daigle is not talented or that her music is, not, is stylistically bad or unenjoyable. I'm not saying that. I'm also not trying to imply that she is intentionally trying to harm believers or that she's like a false teacher that knows what she's doing. I would actually probably assume that she's probably ignorant of biblical truth and doesn't realize how her lyrics are contradicting scripture. That's what I would assume. However, and I will say this, if somebody thinks that I might be being mean or unfair, I would say that if Lauren Daigle and others like her are going to promote this kind of music as Christian music and market this to Christians and make a lot of money off of that, then she must be critiqued. These songs must be critiqued for the sake of all of you and all of us. It must be critiqued because we need to be careful about what we're listening to and we need to make sure that we're not meditating upon songs that are teaching us biblical falsehood or untruth. So we are very short on time. Um, I do have some principles to leave you with, but maybe we will wrap it up there and just end with these examples and say, if there's one big takeaway for you tonight, it is to evaluate the songs that you're listening to. And that scripture is that standard that you evaluate by. Scripture is the foundation. And if you are staying true to scripture, scripture will guide you. Wish I could go through more of these principles, but there's a bunch of parents waiting out there. So I'm gonna wrap up. So let us close in prayer and then we'll begin our, our meeting for Camp Abide. So let's pray real quick and then we'll have everybody come in. Uh, Lord God, um, we want to thank you for this evening and just the opportunity to evaluate spiritual songs and, and psalms that you have enabled people to perform and give uh, to the church, Lord. Um, we are also even thankful for the bad examples, Lord, so that we are able 
to evaluate those songs and to become better equipped and better discerning in our spiritual lives. Lord, I pray for all these students that you would help them, that music would prove to be a blessing to them as you've intended it and as you have designed it, and that the truth that we have discussed tonight would stay within their hearts forever. We pray all these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the East Memorial Student Podcast. For more information and updates about East Memorial Student Ministries, please visit our website at eastmemorial.org. You can also follow us on our Instagram page titled EMBC Student.